we are now proud members of the Voice Press Network. Network. So you can go to thevoicepress.com. It's a network for independently independently produced podcast shows. Mm-hmm. So there's you know those top tens, top fifties on Spotify, iTunes, etc. And mm-hmm. some of these independent shows, especially ones early in their careers or starting out. Uh, it's it's almost impossible to get on that mm-hmm. list. And so the Voice Press was created as kind of a punk DIY version of a podcast network that gets some really great quality produced shows yep. in front of you. And it's just a portal for that. They're, they're going to keep growing it. There's some mm-hmm. great shows on there now. The Adoptive Mom podcast. Mm-hmm. Action uh, Orson. Action Orson. Yes. Rogue X. Um, Look what uh, George's I did. live, yeah, we're on there. <laughs> George's live, uh, Majestic Lounge actually mm-hmm. has a podcast on Sweet. on the Voice Press as well. And Action Orson is just a great, really well produced, yes. kind of pop culture movie review show out of New York. Um, I hope one day to collaborate with those guys. It would somehow. be fun. I don't know how to make yeah. that happen, but yeah. now that we're like network buddies, maybe we can like our people talk to their people. Yeah, us and we'll make talk a to thing them. Happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we'll get finger puppets. Right, we are our people. <laughs> it would. We'll have finger. We'll have Punch yeah. and Judy just show a up cry. and do a oh thing. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, go to thevoicepress.com if you want to find other really cool original programming mm-hmm. from independent podcasts uh, created by people that you may or may not know, but that are putting out amazing work. Mm-hmm. So makes it so you can find them. Yeah, for sure. It would be awesome. Voicepress.com. Thevoicepress.com. Go. Well, we're back. He, no, that was supposed to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it just was just like a weird Russian thing. I thought it was, we were referring back to the part we talked about uh, Ivan Drago. I would, oh, yeah. No, it was <laughs> Ivan Drago. Obviously, yeah. it was Ivan Russians Drago. Russians are Who would have been a good Terminator? Guy. Yes. Yeah. Clear voice. Still could be a good Terminator. Still could be. I'm just saying. Yeah. I should be a casting agent. Well, you casting. Or no, I'm not good at casting either. Oh no, I'm good at casting ideas, just not for fish. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, um, here we are. Here we are. Hi everyone. This there's so much to say about this episode. Yeah, there's tons. I don't think I can say it all, and I had trouble saying it in the episode itself. It was our first road trip. Yeah. Like first, really sub- extensive, yeah, substantial yeah, road yeah. trip. More so, we Where got I to play. Else to drive <laughs> in the playground, I did drive. <laughs> we did get to play at a playground. Yeah, slid down a slide that was made for half people, half my size. Gurdon, yeah. Arkansas. Gurdon played on a train car. Yeah, on a caboose. Yep, that was a fun trip. Though. It was. Good. We need to do it more was road good. trips. We do. We do. For sure. Heather hung out with us that day. Yeah, she tolerated us that day. Yep, laughed at. None of the jokes, but who does, right? right Other than right, us, right? I did some Craigslist shopping in Texas. Yeah, I, I bought something actually, off. Of, oh yeah, yeah, off of Facebook yeah, Marketplace. Somewhere. We're so yeah. good at that. Those Sundays. Yeah. Um, yeah. Buzz but, Blur. Yeah. Whoa. I guess we're just jumping right. Why? Into I don't it, know. Just I didn't like know. Straight yeah. to the all the no. way. So we went down to interview Buzz Blur. Mm-hmm. He's been on our list for a long time. Yeah. You. I didn't know what to expect. We'll let the story speak for itself, yeah. but this guy is a legend, mm-hmm. a long-running, and we are time thing. I showed up and didn't realize that like he's kind of in the middle of it. Seems almost like on a press run. Like mm-hmm. a ton of podcasts have interviewed him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been or not a ton, but a couple of podcasts have interviewed him, and, and just it seems like ever since his identity has been revealed, yep. that that's kind of caught fire a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
that being said, before we get into that interview, right. we should definitely do the thing we always do. Yep. Which is thank some patrons. Patron names. Yep. Let's see where we start here. Oh, let me scroll up. Scroll up. All right. Thank you, Cindy, Jeremy, Catherine, Jennifer, Travis, Tyler, Lindsay, Jesse, Sean, Holly Hill, James, Allison, Deborah, Caitlin, Megan, Dela. Thank you. Um, I'm Brian. Little, little bonus there. <laughs> yeah. One of those tears. Uh, <clears throat> but thank you guys for supporting oh, us man. on the show. It it really is all the money we have to do this thing comes yep. from you guys to yep. be able to do it and to be able to take road trips like this one mm-hmm. uh, and some of the future stuff that we have. So if you could go to patreon.com forward slash look what I did and support us for even as little as a dollar, you get access yeah. to extra content, but more importantly, you get a warm glow in your heart that mm-hmm. you're making the world a slightly better place. Right. And that, uh, in a way, it Sharing does... a community of creators. Yes. And it does feed our children because we don't have to pay for it out of pocket. Yeah. So that can go to groceries. But it, you are helping other creators <laughs> get out in the world. Yes. Right? Like, and yeah. you're sharing that creative mm-hmm. passion, I think, with people. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of so, the point of the whole show. The point. Yeah. Yeah. Very much the point. So, this episode... Mr. Buzz Blair. Oh, it's exciting. So exciting. I mentioned it earlier, but it's. Yeah. Yeah. You're this, just going to have to look it up. Cool. Colossus of Rhodes. D- R O A D S. Mm-hmm. Definitely go to lookwhatidid.net. There are a ton oh. of photos. Yep. Heather obviously traveled with us. Uh, she's an artist herself, and she took a ton of photos because mm-hmm. when you're in the presence of a master, you absorb everything you can and I actually got to trade art with Buzz Blur. Yeah. Like she brought art for him. Yep. And then he gave her some yep. art in return. Like that, I mean, that's gotta be a cool moment. He didn't take my art. So I don't well, know. Well, she, she made it specifically for him. for him. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. But, uh, it was, it was super cool. So there's a ton of photos, uh, stuff you're never going to see. You're going to get to see inside his workshop. Yep. Uh, it just this like old building in the middle of garden, Arkansas with Decades of material in it. And, uh, yeah, so enjoy. Hello. I was talking. That was the whole hello. Should I point the mic, his mic up? I think we he's good? actually picking up okay. Good. Yeah, I think we'll be fine. Excellent. Cool. All right. So normally we start with who you are and what you do. Uh, I am uh, Russell Butler, 75 years old, been retired since uh, 2003, and and been trying to advance my artwork subsequent to my retirement. (laughs) So, How would you describe... So we're sitting in your shop right now, or studio. How... How would you describe your art? Like, what is the art style? Uh, well, m- mainly my uh, uh, work is portraiture of people, taking pictures of folks and uh, cutting them into stencils so I could do a cheap uh, reproductions for on Xerox to mail around to, to people. That's a subject of my portraiture. And I've... Uh, the idea is to convert the the stark imagery to 
to a, a artist stamps, mm-hmm. and then so they get a if they're in a it's a group gathering, and I take all the pictures of all the subjects while I put them on a stamp reduced and uh, and mail to each one of the <laughs> subjects as part of my mail artwork. That's cool. Yeah. How long have you been doing this for? I've been uh, 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 doing my my graffiti and my and my mail art. I started it in '71, and then I found out about the existence of the mail art network in April of '72. So those have been my two outlets of expression. So that's how long I've been at each of my. So you've had a year or two of practice. Yeah. Like, you've been yeah. at it for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. So my brother is a graffiti artist, and I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but I don't, I've never heard of mail art. Well, it's a, it's a phenomenon that grew out of the, this is one guy in, uh, in New York named Ray Johnson. And uh, so he started, he was a, uh, uh, meet like-minded people at uh, gallery gatherings and all that, and then he'd send them, uh, get their address, and then send them stuff and said, you need to meet this person, so add to this what I'm sending and send to this guy and or this person. And uh, so that kind of started. Uh, he had his own kind of like network of right. people that he was introducing there in New York, and, and so that was the New York Correspondence Art School. Okay. So, I mean, but at, and then sub, the uh, Fluxus artists of Europe and Asia were corresponding, and they considered it part of their art networking, you know. This was a so, global thing. It's wow. global, yeah. It's, wow. It's, and still going. Oh, yeah, it's expand, expanding now, and it's like, it's... Uh, still having sh- there's uh, there's a, a Fortis Archivo person from from Buenos Aires is I got a he's coming in and going making a whole big circular tour of the United States interviewing uh, various male artists along the way and wow. so he's coming here the June the third to through the fifth and. So uh, it's uh, there's all kind of archives and this in the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art has has an exhibit up now about entitled uh, "Snap and Share" about people that's in the male art network that are now doing most of their uh, exposure through social networking, right, Facebook, right. Instagram or whatever. So is this exhibit they have up there is 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 the it was a, the curator was a Frenchman and and of course the availability of photography and everything now so you know so easy to do yeah <laughs> and so easy to download and mm-hmm. then send and, and share on online so I mean that was the premise of the show. So there's a big exhibit there in San Francisco now. 
That's crazy. Yeah. So were you an early, was, when did it start? Do you, like, was it late sixties or early seventies? Uh, uh, yeah, it was late sixties. It was in the sixties that Ray Johnson was active in his building, his network of people. And, but I mean, you know, that Fluxus was mm-hmm. mainly in the sixties too. Okay. So, uh, but then subsequent to the, in the seventies, it was, uh, uh, Aaron, you're going to lose the, sorry. And hold on. Sorry. Put, you need to pull the boom arm back or it's going to keep the weights too much on the one end and just bring in the stand. Aaron's not a normal sound guy. <laughs> so started, so Ray, John, Ray Johnson starts it, Ray Johnson starts it in the sixties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then this uh, had a, there's a lot of people that was networking too. They had a, a group in uh, Vancouver. The Canadians were really heavy into this networking. Right. And then, of course, they had one in Toronto, the, the uh, group there. They had Western Front in Vancouver and uh, General Idea in Toronto. So they were, they was in, it, people were in the mail art network, were also into publishing and making their own zines they right. started zine culture and then mm-hmm. of course the uh, general idea had their own file magazine yeah and then they had the image bank the western front in vancouver had the image bank request list if you wanted imagery of of a particular kind yeah to you know, people could contribute various imagery to your re- Follow through that on your request, crazy. so that it was expanding the network, and it included all the Europeans and the, the Orientals, uh, Japan in particular. There was people over there, the guitar group. And, it's like a message board, way yeah, pre-existing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's it was nuts. Pre, it was kind of like a precursor to the, the internet. You know, yeah, it was, it was networking prior to the vast connectedness of the internet you know right but you guys managed to connect the whole globe what a surprise to open your mailbox though because you never know right right once you're in and added to it man it just becomes a bigger and bigger piece of work did you ever have the opportunity to like meet in person and collaborate on art in person with some of these people yeah there's uh they they have a uh decentralized networking congress every six years and it started out in 86, so in increments of six years, they have that six years, and the idea there is for for to go and meet or have these congresses where a group of meet, so they do that, and, and there's this artist in Trogan, Switzerland, that started what he called tourism, and he, he was like Dick Tate say, you go visit so-and-so, you know? Yeah. So I mean, that was like his a field premise. assignment. So, <laughs> yeah, the idea is to go meet, actually meet somebody you've been in correspondence with. You know, that is so. That's cool. cool. So that's going on. To put a face with the with yeah, the right. work and the art. Yeah, well, of course, it, they, a lot of them deal with their face is familiar. It's just mm-hmm. they haven't had met, haven't met in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. What's I mean, the farthest you traveled for that? Uh, well, I've been to I've been to, to Minden, Germany, and 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 Saint Nicholas, Belgium, and and uh, Cassier, Italy, and 
and Via Reggio, Italy, and so you got to do some of Europe, right? Yeah, collaborating with or meeting I, these artists. Can, of course, Canada. Yeah, but uh, uh, I haven't been to the Orient yet. So. Right. I mean, you were almost there, just like one more train <laughs> ride to the right, and you would have had yeah, it. Right. <laughs> on which express? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, so cool. That's yeah. such a fascinating thing. And so, I'm. You were just mailing art out to these people, or a piece of art would kind of go from one person and then get a pe- like added and then to another right, person. Yeah. Okay, and, so it was I, just growing the whole time. Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, this this recent phenomena of like. Uh, like I say, initially Ray Johnson would do a ad and pay, add to this and send to this person, but so they got a, a recent phenomenon in male artists. It add and pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get these and it's got all these. Ver- it goes through various people and they add their rubber stamp or or their drawing or photograph or whatever they to to usually an eight and a half. Uh, by eleven sheet of paper, right, and then pass. You add whatever you want, just to have. And so they got all these uh, new neophytes to the thing. Yeah. They really don't understand the history of it, but they really enthused about getting mail just about right. every day. To, <laughs> Because who gets mail anymore? Right. Right? That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Getting a mailing that wasn't an advertisement for local business would be yep. like the greatest gift ever, yeah. or a bill. Now yeah. it's like Amazon is the probably the most expected thing for people to receive in the mail. Packages, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, not junk mail. Uh, what what uh what was your artistic training before this, or is it all self taught? Or uh, well, I was a student at Henderson. Uh, and uh, after I graduated from high school in '61, mm-hmm. and I went to Henderson there for two and a half years, mm-hmm. and I was working summers. My dad got me hired onto the railroad because they'd hire, uh, then the older guys could take their vacation whenever they wanted it, and they usually wanted to get out of the hot summer months. <laughs> and they take so they'd hire the railroad had the practice of hiring college students to to work the the extra boards to replace the vacation and training mm-hmm. so my dad got me hired on to that and in uh, that at that time if you hired on they had you had to join the union after a certain period of time so you had union protection and uh, but uh, by the end of the summer when all the vacation's over, you'd be cut off and you'd go back to school mm. and then work the next summer. So I did that for two, two three summers, really. Mm-hmm. And then the railroad needed men, and they give me the ultimatum to, to they wanted me to work full-time. Yeah. So I made that choice and got married and, and went on from making a living instead of uh, making art. So Yeah. Although you're still making art, and you were making art for 50 years as part of the, it didn't right, slow well, you down. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, that's why I say I was looking for an outlet in, uh, of expression, and mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, so I mean, they had this folk art tradition of uh, trainmen and hobos making their chalk marks on the transient mm-hmm. cars that, 
And uh, so, I mean, that's been, was from the, goes back to the time of the hobos, the homeward bound. Right. Soldiers subsequent to the Civil War trying to, the, the railroad network that was still intact. Right. After the war, getting back home after the everybody surrendered and turned in their arms and all that. So they was they was chalk and chalk was readily available because as part of the trades, the the mechanical forces there would denote a, a what the repair needed on a car to be sent to the shops and all this. Uh, That's so So um, chalk was readily available and the hobos and the soldiers returning uh, avail themselves of it, and then they chalked their destination home and and the regiment they was in and all that. That's you know? so yeah. And I never. So I mean, it's graffiti's I mean, been around been as long marking, as railroads have been around. Been <laughs> marking on the cars ever since the box car were going somewhere else. You know? Yeah. You can't wow. have one without the other. That is so... That's is awesome. there any documentation of that era of... Or is it all just kind of verbal history? Yeah, well, there's some... Uh, there was a really famous uh, a guy, guy named... Uh, uh, he went... His had his moniker was uh, Bozo Texino. Mm-hmm. And he was an engineer out of Laredo, Texas, between Laredo and San Antonio. And, uh, and uh, so, I mean, he drew this... Uh, kind of cowboy was smoking a pipe. Yeah, and uh, and he would caption it Bozo Texino and then date it. So that he was a uh, an employee and not a hobo really. Right. So, but I mean the hobos, the in the 30s they indulged in that whole folk art tradition of doing notations on the car right. even. Uh-huh. If, Text or uh, character drawings or whatever, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, that was in really prevalent in the 30s, you know, when the right when how the ex- explosion of out of work people and mm-hmm. traveling to jobs and the, right the depression. That's and all that. and, yeah, all through the depression. So mm-hmm. they had that folk art tradition of of chalking on. The, Rail cars, so that's so. When I heard about you, and when Aaron was kind of talking about you, it I looked on it as like, oh, because my brother has engaged in some graffiti on right, he's also traveled by train and <laughs> maybe yeah. not paying for tickets. And uh, <laughs> so to me, it was like, oh, you know, this has to be somebody that was an inspiration to my brother, probably, and that you're part of the history of that. And to hear that you're a hundred years after the start of that's just nuts that it's been around that long yeah i've never thought about it that way and it's cool that it's a a a rolling diary it sounds like a rolling diary kind of of these men coming home and traveling mobile billboard there yeah that is well you could also check on people that way i guess right if they'd made a mark you'd be like yeah there's so and so if you've ever Mm -hmm. seen the film uh uh the uh uh Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine in the, uh, that film they made. I'm trying to can't think of the name of it now, but uh, <clears throat> it was a there was a famous uh, a diarist named uh, A Number One, and that was his moniker on the writing on the cars, mm-hmm. and he'd denote 
I'm on a catch certain certain train from Seattle to Spokane today, and then of course the whole premise of the film is the Emperor of the North is the title of the film, uh. and and so this the whole film is the, is the a number one was going to catch the train in this conductor shack was going was determined to. To get to, a number one, to, <laughs> kid him kicked off. And, <laughs> and then, I like so, Ernest Borgnine, so I'm going to yeah. find this movie and watch it. So yeah, you need the uh, Emperor of the North. There's that is the title of the film. And is a you said diarist? Is that like well, an early I mean, term this, for that uh, kind a of number one? Mm-hmm. Also wrote books and oh, made okay. uh, uh, and published them in about his adventures of freight hopping and. That is Hobo so... and, you know, so, I mean, so that's a, I mean, so, I mean, you know, like he write his intentions on, on the, on the water tanks and the, <laughs> and the uh, cars, you know, what he was intending to do. And, yeah. Or I, every train he, he would put his A number one tag on, on the cars. And so that was his way of documenting his life and, and then t- writing up the uh, various adventures he had on, on going and then of course Jack London did the same thing yeah. he, oh. and so he he did a lot of uh, hoboing and and he went in the, the the veterans of World War one went to the Congress. And, and uh, they, of course, they was all out of work, and this was hard times following World War One. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And they they went for their the arm the bonus army, and all the whole whole bunch of hobos that catch trains, and and anyway, they went to Washington to march for their bonus, which was they supposed to be. These were veterans, right, that, right. That was there was some. Bill that was going to deprive them of it, or, or they was in support of, or whatever. Yeah, but it was a political action, yeah. a vast movement of hobos, you know. So that's so. Did you know the history of this, and that inspired you to to do what you ended up doing, or did you discover that after the fact? Well, I my was uh, I was inspired by. Uh, Two persons that uh, were really active while I was working. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first, you know, between uh, when I hired out in '62, and when I first had the courage to try my hand at it myself, we're past the statute of limitations, right? Are we good? Seventy-one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I started in '71, so my inspiration was, you know, you you think about how many drawings they had to make in this vast network of all two me over two million freight cars and uh, and then you see one I see one of uh, uh, Herbie this guy named Herbert Meyer mm-hmm. that was a switchman in the, for the Alton Southern Railroad which was a subsidiary of Missouri Pacific in St. Louis and then they had the, the Rambler in Beaumont Texas and he would put uh his tag with his drawing was a, a champagne glass with the bubbles coming out, and then he'd always tag it the Rambler, and the date it. And Herbie was a was a his drawing was a a, a 
dude in a uh, sombrero and a poncho sitting under a palm tree, and he'd, he'd title it this, Herbie, and date it. So that was the, their, and every day you'd see one or the other, you know. Right. Out of the 200, 300 cars you had to handle during a shift there, you'd see one or two or three every day, and you had, and then of course you see other people like Charlie Brown and in in Omar in a lot of other people was also doing it. But when you see those two, just about every day, and you had to say, well, how how much how many parts <laughs> you had to make? <laughs> what did they do? Have that had to saturate the network to that degree, you know. They work at a central railroad station and just hit every car that comes <laughs> their, through. Their that. car, they were trans, they were stationary, but the cars were You're right, just moving and, through them. <laughs> yeah, so they was, and of course, uh, Herbie's claim was that he was he, his inspiration was go from car to car was to make so many. He was trying to quit smoking, and so he he had to. Make thirty drawings for you to have Stay a busy. cigarette. Oh, <laughs> that's a good. So, yeah. and then, then you kind of end go up in it, you know. That's so. What was your? Oh, you just kept seeing this go by, and then one day you just decide. I mean, what pushes you over the edge to do that? Yeah, well, I, I was I was trying to I was uh, trying to remain anonymous, you know, because I mean <laughs> that's the premise of the idea, the, right? The, this is. A, Person prior to those two I mentioned was a was a guy that just put his signature up with J. B. King Esquire, it was, and it was all connected. The whole thing you couldn't tell where he started and right. all that. Hmm. So I mean, there was a legend about him that he was a millionaire, and his prim- his excuse for said, "Well, I, I own enough stock. I, I got, I'm privileged enough. I can draw on this <laughs> railroad company's car if I want to." You know? Right. But uh-huh. if he got caught, but I mean, his his thing was you. There must be a mystery to it. I mean, so I mean, that's the pe- appeal, the uh, the uh, uh, mystery of who is doing this. Who right. is this J. B. King Esquire? I see his name all over. You know. I, but so he wanted to keep it secret, and then so the same idea of the being the mystery was an ambition of Herbie and the Rambler too. Right. And then of course, so I started, and you know, being employed, they were employees, and and I was the employee. So I mean, you don't, uh, you don't. Uh, don't know what the response is going to be if you get caught doing it. You know? Yeah. So try not so, to get caught. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, uh, uh, I was making uh, uh, drawings. I was uh, uh, doing kind of like cartoons of various incidents that happened here in the yard, mm-hmm. and the people that were subject of you know like derailments or. What are some fuss between or some conflict between them employees? I'd do a little kind of like cartoon, and and they'd they'd uh, photocopy them in the depot, and and it's just part of the gossip till right. I found out 
all these subjects of my drawings were, which were recognizable. <laughs> it just were, means you're a good artist. Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> that was also offensive to them. <laughs> so I found out I was highly disliked for oh. for my activity. So I was looking for some other outlets that didn't maybe I could remain anonymous and. So that's when I started making drawings. So, what, did it start as like an original drawing on each car, or did you ha have kind of a mark? Well, in your no, head? I had a, a had a character. One of my characters of my of my uh, continuing saga of the sketches on the that they were passing along. Uh, he didn't seem to mind. So, I mean, he was kind of like a. Uh, Took it good naturedly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started off with his kind of stylized caricature of him. Right. And uh, so, uh, and then I was, uh, I was, I was dating then. But to me, it's like I'll try to get away from him being a recognizable person. I transition from a, being a comical to a more heroic. Mm -hmm. And then I started using uh, uh, language captions to my drawings, which was three or four words, and it was only had meaning to me, so it was a mystery to what right. they meant right. to the readers that were seeing them. So uh, that's uh, my uh, uh, vague, cryptic, Captions were my uh, calling card, you might say. Right, for just sending a little mystery out into the world and right, see what yeah. the response is. So, and of course they go, you go all over, you know. So. Right. How'd you come up with the name Buzz Blur? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, well, I was, uh, I was uh, looking for. I I started off in my mail art network as a. Uh, who who archives because of the who who uh, connotation here in mm -hmm. Gurdon, which I took it from the marquee on the theater was also a who who, and uh, so I took the who who archives, and I wasn't aware then that the who who concatenated order of uh, lumberman, the who who was even extant. I thought anything is absurd as is that was that was started back in 1892 was surely not had <laughs> failed at some point, you know. Mm -hmm. So then I found I found out that that there was an actual who who uh, organization that had chapters all over. So then I was looking for a for a new tag for myself as an identity on my mail art network. So uh, when the who who marquee they dropped it would been closed for a number of years, and when they dropped it down to the uh, uh, the sidewalk to keep it from purposefully to keep it from accidentally falling on somebody, mm -hmm. that's when I ceased being who who archives and became the last caption I'd used on on my boxcar icon title was a buzz blur, which was, you know, a buzz word is something that goes around. Right. In, 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 uh, 
you know, kind of passage through. Mm-hmm. Everybody was using, using like some slang or something word. for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, but the idea being, to, it was a a buzzword, but it was going by so fast it was blurred. You know? uh, oh. So, but it also <laughs> I was taking. It had three different uh, kind of origins because I was taking SX seventy photographs at a lot of them at the time, and uh, and it seemed to me you know that when you took the open the shutter it'd be a, a clip buzz and then the eject the the print would be blur you know <laughs> so and then of course it also sounded like my last name Butler. You know, buzz, oh, blur, button, yeah. Mm. So, so it had three different yeah. connotations there. That's crazy. And yeah. the, so you eventually, if I correctly, kind of become is Colossus of Rhodes. The mm-hmm. like this seems to be what Aaron showed me when we first started talking about, or when he mentioned you is Colossus of Rhodes. Can you yeah. give me the background? Because that seems to be like kind of the thing you're most known for maybe, or at least when we were talking. Yeah, well, see, that was what my uh, uh, original sketch of the person I was telling you about, the okay. initial uh, icon I was using. I was looking for, it's like uh, all the language I'd been using was kind of uh, like an identity search for this particular character. <laughs> So when I came up with Gypsy Sphinx, (laughs) Uh like it was like a, a, you know, like a neutral. It was a really low definition character, right? And uh, so it's kind of like a a vacant vagrant, I called it. But it was it was looking for an identity, right? And and it so it's like it was like a static sameness and so as a gypsy that moved around in a sphinx that wasn't divulging anything except this vague cryptic quote here uh, right so i i was wanting to transition from this character to uh, uh another but i figured I, I i need to do a send-off so i did a entire year with the caption gypsy sphinx mm-hmm. so when Gypsy Sphinx was kind of catching on, I transitioned. We moved from our where we lived on Smith Street to Main Street, and then that was when I transitioned to my. Uh, I'd I'd been reading about the Bozo Texino guy, right, uh, right, uh, W. H. McKinley, that did the Bozo Texino, which was a. a Cowboy f- mm-hmm. f- faced on with a pipe with the little circles of smoke coming right. up out of the pipe. So I, I, I practiced on, but I turned my cowboy to uh, as a rider motif. Like a profile kind of. Yeah, it was yeah. a profile and then the smoke trailing mm-hmm. out from the pipe is like he's riding on the side of the car. And then, and then I went back to uh, after I transitioned to this new character, based on the Bozo Texino original. Right. I went back to my day-to-day different caption, and it, so that looked seemed like a identity search t- again. So I kept 
I sat, finally I was coming out with all kind of tags for as a possible character title, like the Grab Iron Kid and right and uh, and various other ones. And uh, so, uh, but when I come up on the Colossus Roads, that seemed like a the appropriate identity for that. Such a good name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you so, said but it. Um, it was, you know, like on road, R-O-A-D-S. Yeah, right, not, yeah. It's a good play on the, yeah. Uh-huh. So my idea then was to do a year of Colossus Roads and transition to another icon. Like the first guy was young and Colossus was kind of like a middle and then I was going to go with a skull or something else. But I, I mean, you know, so that, the classes seemed to catch on, and mm. so I, I. But after I did a year, I couldn't come up with a suitable substitute for Colossus, so I went back to my day-to-day different captions, you know. So Colossus of Rhodes only lasted for one year, or yeah, did it well, kind of I mean, come back up a later? I, subsequently, I do. Some sometimes I do a Colossus of Rhodes, right. And for like for a, you know like start off a year like yeah twenty seventeen to twenty sixteen it'll or, still surface sometimes just yeah. kind of an homage and then also to, I also do occasional Gypsy Sphinx okay that's the one that like the Colossus of Rhodes that one is the way you draw it's really awesome but the the Gypsy Sphinx the way the what I like about it is you know the hat's kind of off kelter and it's the shape of the nose. It's there's a lot there, even though it's a simple line drawing. Yeah, somewhat. just a a brow and nose shadow line, and mm-hmm. that I mean, so it's like it was yeah low definition, but mm-hmm. it still looked like a person. We've tried. Uh, there's a guy that I work with, and he's like, "Hey, have you ever heard of this?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "Hopefully, one day we'll interview you know uh, you." But uh, we tried drawing some, and it's. I'm not that great, but, you know, just to try to practice, to try to come up with something that looks like, you know, ourselves. It's it's not that easy to do something simple, but yet, yeah. We get some B-roll sound here. Yeah. It, uh, Heather was in Moralton yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah. I look for them up where we are, but I don't see train cars that often. But Springdale's got a pretty pretty big place where they stop. Yeah. But on, on KCS. I think so. Ish. It's the ish. It's point. the ish. Point? The hoo-hoo-ish point? Yeah. Yeah. It was the name of an order there. I yeah. think we talk about it we in do. the show. We do. But... um this is this yeah this ep, nah, this I I sat there with my mouth open like I've known his son for a few years right mm-hmm. and then put them together yeah. after the fact yeah. um but like if you do any sort of research on this gentleman you see what he's done and what he's been doing for so long and some of the places he's taken his art not just the moniker, you know, and his Colossus of Rhodes thing or the uh, Sphinx. Yeah. It's, it's it was, amazing. It was cool yeah. to see. 
So I do want to take this moment, like, one day maybe we'll have sponsors in this section of the show. But right now we're going to plug ourselves. And we're going to plug ourselves by uh-huh. saying the one thing that you can do to help the show more than anything is share it with a friend. Yes. It telling somebody about this show, mm-hmm. word of mouth, your stamp of approval on our show goes way yep. farther with your friends than anything we can post on Facebook, mm-hmm. anything we can post on Instagram. Right. It means so much to us if you just tell somebody about the show when they're looking for new podcasts. This medium is growing and there's so many big shows out there and everybody's listening to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's it is hard to kind of get noticed in that pool, but you know, you love the show. We love making the show. And right now, the only way to get out there is just to spread it by word of mouth. Yep. And so if you guys can promote that for us, we would deeply appreciate it. It means so much to us that you do that. Mm-hmm. It does help if you if you subscribe on iTunes. It does help if you rate and review the show. Obviously, mm-hmm. that helps. But where the show's at today, what helps the most is turning around to somebody after you get out of your car this morning or after you come back from your lunch break or while you're going to lunch with a, with somebody um, or talking on the phone on the way home, whatever that thing is, and just, just mentioning that you listen to the show and encouraging your friends to listen to the show as well. So mm-hmm. we really thank you for that. Mm-hmm. What, what was the medium that you used at the time? Were you using chalk still, or had you transitioned to something else? Uh, no, I was using... Uh, uh, I had all these paints from, from, uh, uh, from my student days mm-hmm. in Henderson, so uh, I was, uh, I had a professor there was doing encaustic paintings. He had a, he set up a bunch of a trays and, and uh, he'd get uh, beeswax from the, from the drugstores and put this melt of beeswax. He had a light source underneath that would melt the wax and then he'd mix his oil paints, various colors, and then he had a, a propane torch, you know, and then he'd make a mark on his, on he's making paintings on plywood, right? And, and then he'd make a mark with his brushes of the melted wax with the various colors, and then he'd kind of like uh, blend them there with his propane torch. So I've learned that encaustic technique from him. So I started getting wax. Uh, at the drugstore and and abscounding uh, with the kids at Crayolas and melting them down, and then I'd put either uh, black or uh, you know or white, some white, and uh, so that was what I was using for a long time, and and, uh, and then uh, uh, the bridge gangs there had Markov uh, oil. Paint sticks. Mm-hmm. So when I found a source for buying them, that that they endure four or five years, you know, yeah. normally. Mm-hmm. And the the wax uh, was actually endured even longer because it would, as it kind of melted or got hot, the, 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 the grime on the car would accumulate <laughs> in the drawing. <laughs> And then it, and then it would finally, the grime on the, would continue all, all around it, and then the wax would finally slough off, and and then it would be a mark where there was no mark, you know, like a reverse just a, image almost. Yeah, it was in a, 
and the wax like is smart. Wax resists. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I noticed something on a, a post you'd done about a like where you'd written out dates and what you'd named them and what you'd yeah, drawn I, on. Yeah, I was I was keeping up with them there for a number of years. So man. So I mean, a, you know, that's yeah. I mean, this is my this is my book uh, factory here. This is where I make books and uh, mm -hmm. uh, in which includes that uh, list of all my drawings for particular dates. There. Yeah, man. This seems time consuming to do, right? Even to do the Colossus of Rhodes or. Uh, the Gypsy Sphinx it seems kind of time consuming. Yeah, right. What are you having to go back at night? Like, how, when are you finding the time to do that? Because you're doing it in secret. I assume the train yard's not okay with it. So, <laughs> right? Like, right, yeah. Well, most of the yards here are, are kind of uh, an obscure uh, location. You right, know, right. You, so, uh, yeah, so uh, in. The same way, I can go down and make some some drawings on the cars that cycle through here. Right, and then sometimes they during the they park some trains because of congestion in the larger yards. Right, and they park them here on the weekend. So they'll stay there for a couple of days, and you can just kind of well, it, maybe one or two days. But you know, I could go down there. And, and like I say, I don't have enough wind to do very many anymore. But I was, <laughs> you knock uh, out one or two a day, knock, though. You got the knock out a couple well, or the paint or, pens would have to make it faster, I assume. But when you're melting the wax and you're doing this in the seventies, right, yeah. right, and you're working at the train yard, correct? Right, yeah. Like you're not doing it on your lunch break. There was, uh, <laughs> but I was doing. I had the, I was the wax that I was making mixing up. I was pouring them into coin sleeves that you could get at the bank, mm -hmm. and then I could peel them off. I was, so I mean, I could have them here. Oh, you mean just use it like yeah. a giant crayon. Oh, yeah. so it's actually pretty fast then. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, yeah. I totally. I'm seeing like see cans of melted wax paint <laughs> that you're like painting on the. <laughs> this no, was very yeah. cumbersome in my head. I, I was making my own. <laughs> the super smart. So you're making I'm your making own wax. Making my own Crayolas. Yeah. In other words. Yeah. Adult size. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's so. Well, cool. dimes and nickels. Yeah. Yeah, that it's, is. I I have done a few quarters, but <laughs> that's really, leaves a wider mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't think about yeah how big you can make yeah. your own. That's so cool. Uh, so, so I mean, when when I was doing the day to day documentation, that was the drawings I was making for that day of work, because mm -hmm. I was working uh, mainly during the time I was doing documentation. I was working a long field position on this switch crew here in town. And uh, my main responsibility was make sure the, the, as we classified the cars, roll them into tracks, you know, various destinations. I would make sure the cars didn't roll out of the downhill yard. Right. So I had to tie down the, all the rails with handbrakes to make sure that they wouldn't, when they was, Shutting the cars into the track, they didn't when they bumped, they out. didn't yeah. roll out. So I had some free time down there. That was that's when I would Smart. do the. Yeah, I I was I was I was also having to line the air for for the cars that we were going to handle for right. industry spots and all that. 
So I was I had some free time between as the cars rolled a joint or a couple of air joints, and uh, so I had time and inclination, so I did. Aaron, we should get a job cleaning the train cars, but we'll just keep our mark safe. Like everything else will be cleaned off and just be yeah. Us. <laughs> um, what? How did? It's crazy to think how long I had no idea the history of this culture, and I and I think it's neat that, um, you know, growing up, I guess I was kind of brought up with the idea that it was, uh, more in the realm of vandalism, I guess, right? Like, and so my brother did this as well. Um, I think it's interesting that it's had this history of kind of being a game and a diary, and it it is folk art and so there's this whole other side that you might not be familiar with if you don't read up on the history of it or talk to somebody like you um and even it changes some of how i view some of my brother's past work i mean he's moved on from that by and large and does art in a different way now but uh it so i guess that makes me ask that like how do you feel about how graffiti has changed over time like to you is it still an interesting thing or do you think that it's kind of veered off path or how do you look at it now well, you know, the uh, whole explosion of graffiti is global. And yeah. Every city has it I mean, now. Banksy, right, is kind of a graffiti, just a very yeah. well-known graffiti right, artist. Right, right. I mean, it's like every, every town's got their own Banksy, you might say. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but maybe not as good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's pretty uh, talented. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they, the, that's the whole deal when the, uh, when the inner city transits started uh, their campaign of uh, of uh, uh, wiping everybody out you know or repainting right. the cars or uh, uh, buffing they called it and uh, so and then and it wasn't until uh, the late 80s and the 90s that the uh, spray paint people discovered the continental right the get out of this this city loop here and get out on they can spread across it, country your mark across yeah so that's when they went invaded the uh, rail yards and <laughs> stood of the layups for the right transit cars you know uh in the city and so that's the proliferation of uh spray paint in the late 80s and 90s is the predominant right mode nowadays i mean it's in a very effective medium too it works really well for what it does and i think it's interesting like i don't know if my brother knew the history getting into it but how it just so naturally carried forward of still a tag still a mystery to who the creator is right and it, like all of those motifs stay so do you i mean obviously we're around a train yard and do you ever try to solve the mystery or do you right? Like, I mean, it's changed a little bit over time. It seems less art and more of a tag a lot of times, but, um, do you ever try to unravel the mystery or do you see people that you repeat over and over and you're like, I really like that, that person's work. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there, there's these, I mean, even though the predominant, uh, spray paint is a, still a culture of monikers, people doing their, their, their little tags. Or, right. Uh, of uh, lamps or or uh, whatever whatever they they come up with little little icons 
that can be there. Whereas somebody might take all uh, one day to do a, a big whole car, mm -hmm. their premise is the same as mine is getting the numbers out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the way to do that is have a simple tag and try to get as everything. much yeah. uh, mm -hmm. the numbers out to have a presence there, which that's how I was inspired to do it, the whole the idea of how many are out traveling if I saw the same dude there over and over every day or so, yeah. you know. It's funny how much this is repeated. Wow. Have you been inspired by the modern version of it at all? Has that changed anything that you do or right like inspired you to do things differently when you uh, still leave your mark on various things? Well, uh, yeah, I, well, I got into my stenciling technique that I learned from my portraiture. And, uh, I did a whole, I do a whole bunch of uh, stencil mm -hmm. uh, dispatches too. But there, there again, it, it detracted from my numbers game because you had to do a, you find a dark car or put down a dark base and then you you put your stencil up there and glue it up and then you do a, the white to highlight the yeah. stencil and take it down and you go to the next car you take so you spend all your time doing five or six and then of course your as your stencil become more and more laden right with spray paint it's not as sharp not as sharp and then, so and then there you took all afternoon do, or, of course I couldn't do that I had to do that on my spare time and not while I was working. Yeah, because <laughs> you can do a Colossus of Rhodes in what, a minute, two yeah, minutes? Yeah, or 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like, you, you go? It's and, uh, smooth, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that was kind of detracted from my numbers game ambition to get the maximum number. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, that's one way I indulge spray painting-wise, you know? Right. I love how there's... Like, there should be a leaderboard. Yeah. <laughs> just how, how many cars you have. And just yeah. rank them all the yep. time. You a little clicker. How, <laughs> how long did it take you to perfect both of your monikers there? Or not the moniker, but the Colossus of Rhodes and the uh, Gypsy Sphinx? It, was, it went through a transition, all right. But uh -huh. uh, uh, yeah, it didn't take long for it to, you know, to be... Uh, of course, I mean, there was no... Uh, really, no... the. Gypsy Sphinx was really low definition. Mm -hmm. The the Colossus Rhodes was more defined, but it was still easy to apply. You know, it was all kind of mm -hmm. connected and could do it as a rapid. Yeah. Uh, I've watched some of the videos of you doing it, but I just didn't know how long it took to perfect, like what you came up with first, if it, how similar it is to your final product of like, I have this idea. And this is what it ends up. Did like. it morph yeah, over right. time? Yeah, did it morph? It, or was it, it took. It went through a transition period, but not that long, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, indeed. I, I think to watch, to watch you draw that out, it's. You know, I've tried to mimic some of the movement on on paper, and I'm not. I'm not an artist, but to try to you know to get some of those lines, <laughs> it's it's smooth the way it comes out, and everything's. It is connected, you know, but then it's just some, it's all in the wrist, I guess, but yeah, it's, well, it's smooth. That's, that's the whole idea. The, 
the icon is so repetitious and it's so in its sameness in its application mm-hmm. that I need some kind of differentiating. So that's where I come up with the captions. So I mean, it's like the the drawing is so automatic, but the language you got to focus on. You had to recall what was my daily. <laughs> I, what was the title for today? I mean, you know, I walked down to the next car and said, what was it? <laughs> yeah, so, the, but I, the, so you got to be engaged with language, whereas the other, the, the icon is just automatic. Yeah. The icon's the signature. The yeah. language is the puzzle, right? Or the, yeah. Right? The story or whatever. Yeah, they're pretty witty. That's. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny because like you're leading with your signature and then telling your story, or I don't know where the actual caption goes, but underneath, yeah, yeah. that's that's really yeah. It's a, so have you been in Gurdon this whole time? Like you've made a mark on the entire country from a city I didn't know existed until today. <laughs> like, yeah. have you been here the whole time? Well, no. I mean, you know, I made uh, you know I, I've gone to uh, uh, they got a whole they. A number of years, in 2000 and 2001 and two, they had a hobo gathering by this guy named North Bank Fred. Right. And, and lives outside of Dunsmere, California. So, I mean, I drive out, I drove out, I was a rubber tar, rubber tar tramp, they called me. Yeah. And I'd drive out to these, and I'd stop in all these yards on, on right. the way out there and make drawings. Yeah, well, and, you, so you've traveled a lot because Europe and, you know, Canada said, but you've home-based out of Gurdon the whole yeah, time. Yeah, the main this is the hub, has been the out hub. of here, you know. That's so neat. Yeah. Just, I, I didn't know there, like, we pulled up, and it makes perfect sense. Like, when we pulled up, and there's, like, there's the train car down at the park, but even, like, getting to your house, driving over the tracks, you know, and all the cars sitting there, I was like, ah, I've seen videos that have taken can, place pretty close to here. You can yeah. see how easy it would be to fall in love with trains. And, yeah. So those cars you saw there by our house, they, they when their demand is not too great, they store cars for later here, you know, till bean harvest or what, hoppers, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever is seasonal or the demand is... The dependent on the state of the economy and all that. So I mean, at the so they these cars that they're stored out there by the house is they, they may be there for a year or so. Mm. They're they're not going to be moving. So I mean, there's not there's no. That's not super helpful for your numbers game. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, can you get numbers on one car? I guess you got to know hundred marks. <laughs> So, but Gurdon is—is Gurdon a town that is actually producing something that's going out on the cars, or is Gurdon really just kind of a hub? Oh, uh, they have the uh, pine ply mill out. Oh, we did see that. We drove yeah. by okay. Georgia yeah. Pacific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Georgia Pacific now. It started off um, uh, uh, the, uh, the Arkla Gas owned it as a uh, uh, the. Which Stevens and them opened it to utilize the, all the timber around. Mm-hmm. They opened it up, and so it was the Arkla Gas Pine Ply Mill initially, and then 
IP bought it, and then IP sold out to Georgia Pacific. So it's been through that many hands. Wow. But it's been in business the whole time, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. So, I mean, it turned out plywood and and landscaping timbers. And, right. And treated timbers. And, and that way you've had cars just cycling through nonstop yeah. for the whole time. Yeah. Huge piles of lumber. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they, they usually ship four or five yeah. cars of plywood uh a day and uh, so i mean you know those are normally going to wherever some uh, home building is prevalent like california you know right. especially with all the right destruction of the homes oh, out yeah. there no oh, yeah that's true and the fires what to you is the difference between like building tagging a building and tagging a car like tagging a train car have you uh, ever, have well, you ever I mean, thought about my, that? I mean, I've tagged a few stationary <laughs> places, but mainly my premise is the... Yeah, yours is the... Do you... The, I mean, you know, the... Uh, I, I have no... I don't have any idea of doing a, a building or anything right. like that. So. so you just kind of fell, in, I guess, in love with the idea of it moving through, right? Like right, this yeah, just uh, constant kind of thing going out where a building right. is just here. Right, it's yeah, not it's change. A static. Uh, uh, I have I have tagged on stationary objects, right, like right, bridges and, and right. Uh, and, but that's just uh, not as interesting to you as the other pillars on interstates, you know, over over the railroad tracks and right. stuff like that. Mm. But just didn't capture the imagination I the just, same way. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's like since my icons are predicated on especially the Colossus is traveling, you know. <laughs> it's so, harder I mean, if it's, it's on a stationary object. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't kind of fit. But I mean I have I have done uh, Right. Well you could just do Colossus on, on like a, a horse or a rocket big... ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show him capable SpaceX. of movement. <laughs> That'd be neat to get one up there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole time you're doing folk art or this, like the male art, and I guess I would, I feel like your art would be described as folk art kind of. Would that be fair or would you say it's something different? I am not uh, an artist. Outsider though. art. Outsider know. art. Outlaw art. Outlaw. Outlaw art. <laughs> so, you, and you're doing that the entire time as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I got a male addiction. I got a plug into the mail art network to senders receive, they say, if you don't send it out and participate mm -hmm. as much as you can in the mail art network, your your uh, mailbox suffers there. It's, <laughs> That's yeah. fair. And so, so it's through that that you get pulled in, because you have a show right now, correct, in Little Rock? Yeah, right. So is it through the mail art that you're kind of because I assume nobody knows who you are doing the the moniker stuff on the train cars, right? That's still kind of unknown who you are at this point. But in the mail art world, you start making a name kind of for who you are. Is Like, is that how that works? Yeah, well, just by attending all these, like, say, these uh, the hobo uh, decentralized network or congresses yeah. that they've had, and then going to various uh, mail art gatherings, in Europe, mm -hmm. in uh, in Canada, uh, and then doing their portraits, 
And so I'm known for my artist stamp portraiture and, uh, and, art, and stamps in particular, collages and whatnot. So that's my, uh, what, that's what's exhibited in, uh, in San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Mm -hmm. And then I'm in a show in uh, Mobile, Alabama now, or we're open May 10th. Right. Urban Wild, it's called, and that's people that do mail or stamps or, or graffiti. Right. Too. Outlaw art. Yeah, outlaw <laughs> art. So, uh, I like that and, name. And then there's, I'm in, currently in a show in uh, the Moniker Show. This opens May 1st through the 5th in, uh, in Manhattan by this girl uh, uh, and, uh, from, uh, she lives in London. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's, uh, she has a Moniker Art Fair. Wow. But uh, so, I mean, that opens May the 1st through the 5th in uh, in uh, Lower Manhattan on Broadway. That's so really, really neat. Spring. And so that's just a collection of monikers from different people from around the country? Or yeah, well, or? Uh, her her definition of moniker is... is uh, <laughs> as a car, but not an ambulance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we already left the park. I don't know where they're going. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, what was our, our... The art show in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, her definition yeah, her, of moniker. Her uh, yeah. definition of moniker is, is pretty broad. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's like, oh, wow. I mean, here's an art fair I could get into. Right. And, of course, you had to pay to get into it. Oh. But I, as a... Elder Statesman, she allows me. <laughs> you to, give her show credibility. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, her her premise was uh, true to begin with, and but it's just grown over. You time. know, they all these art fairs are popping up all over, mm -hmm. especially in Bushwick and Brooklyn. They're all over Brooklyn, right? In various. Uh, the outside of the art fair they have every year in the in the early spring, and all these galleries that uh, feature uh, outsider artists, what they can define as outsider artists. So all these art fairs are in Miami and uh, Basel and all the whole big exhibits right of the Freeze, and so all these art fairs are catching on. But I mean, this is. Everybody's definition of what art is, and and mainly is go big or go home. You know, yeah. so, mm -hmm. so people are doing huge paintings and all that. Right. So. so there's a mystery here. I think. How do you become outed or discovered as being the the person behind the the Gypsy Sphinx and Colossus of Rhodes? Well, that's the hype for my show there in Little Rock at the library. Mm -hmm. The, the uh, my, you might say my agent or the guy that, uh, uh, former Little Rock native, North Little Rock native that mm -hmm. now lives in uh, 
Tucson, he's kind of he's got a big cartel site, and he sells my. So his premise is that's my main uh, focus, my 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 main sledge and major opus. Yeah, is my Colossus of Rhodes. Right. So he has outed me as <laughs> my premise for the show was going to be my series. I've been documenting my birthdays since age 41. Right. Up to through 75, or up to 75. 74 is the last year in the show. And uh, so I, my premise for the show was my age progression there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and from a relatively young man to an old man so but he he and he helped all these writers that, that I was he outed me as a colossus oh. and that's what the they have uh, jeopardized my <laughs> my freedom maybe with uh, <laughs> Exposing me as a graffiti artist. You just can't trust anybody with a secret. No. It's, so, he yeah. thought it would sell. That's but you referred to these two other guys by name that influenced you when you started. Mm-hmm. Like so somehow that same thing has kind of happened, whether these people are just revealing themselves at some point or somebody's discovering. Yeah. But, well uh, well uh, the Herbie I was talking about, the mm-hmm. guy the the did the uh, her, palm tree Herbie, they call him the the dude taking his siesta under his sombrero and poncho under the right. shade of the palm tree. Right. He uh, he tried to remain anonymous, but when it didn't like me, he like after he retired, he 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 was the actually the that was going to be my excuse for if I if they wanted to hassle me that I was inspired by Herbie because they took. Reserve Civic took the Herbie icon, made a big Herbie on it, and uh, and sent the boxcar around as a classroom, <laughs> and and did safety meetings. They celebrated the this guy, and it is it is like uh, uh, they his name was Herbie H E R B Y, but they changed to put him to a Herbie. Uh, help each uh, uh, railroader become injury exempt. You know, uh, uh. so <laughs> so so that was going to be my. They made Herbie out of a uh, as a inspiration like for of, yeah. to, mm-hmm. for safety. You know, in his classrooms, and I said. Y'all, y'all honored, honored Herbie. Why not me? You know? Right. <laughs> so, but I mean, there had to be a part of you, or I would think, a part of you over these years that you kind of want somebody to figure it out or know. Or did you? Were you totally fine with nobody knowing? Well, I mean, you know, everybody here local do it, and then of course you used to have train masters that were stationed here, and they knew it, and they didn't hassle me. Right. And in fact. They had a, a video that they would show in Omaha when they was hiring employees that the my reference is Colossus. This is it. when all the railroads were consolidated, when Union Civic was 
acquiring the Silver Civic and the C&E and, and all the other regional railroads were being consolidated for four main railroads nationwide, you know, the BNNSF and the, and the Union Pacific and, uh, and uh, Southern Pacific and all these con this consolidation. At one time, uh, the Union Pacific was the largest railroad in the world. Right. So they they would show this puff piece video to the new hires that the Colossus Roads was my reference to Union Pacific as being the main Colossus of Roads. Yeah. <laughs> when I... The Colossus of Rhodes was a reference solely to me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you got honored in your own Herbie-like yeah. way. That's yeah. a, they kind of changed they the message it on down. you. Mm -hmm. yeah. what, what is the thing you've done so far that you're most proud of as an artist? Uh, well, I think my ultimate legacy is going to be my, hopefully this male artist, it used, it used to be it was kind of denigrated as it's too democratic. Anybody can do it. It's mm. just all you had to do is participate. And this had, I mean, rather than the originator like Ray Johnson and, you know, the main people like the the Canadians of the Western Front and, uh, and in particular the General Idea people in Toronto, and the, the fluxus, fluxus people in Europe, that's that's about as good as it's ever going to get. The rest of it is fluff from from just anybody can indulge, you know. Right. So, I mean, they, uh, Creel Marcus, a critic here, says that male art has exempted itself from history, you know. It's like, you know, so uh, they didn't view it as being serious. It was just too... Democratic and it wasn't. We uh, could also look on it as the largest living archive of outlaw art or right this kind of fringe art or whatever. Probably, it's might be one of the best documentations of this a really long period of art. Yeah, I mean, it does seem valuable in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, the uh, uh, archives of American art has run by the Smithsonian Institute is collecting art too. Right. And then they did a show at, uh, at the National Gallery of Outliers and included a lot of uh, male art in it too. And then, of course, like say this show in San Francisco. is showing. And, and uh, so, I mean, it's getting more and more recognition accepted. as a, as a counterculture movement similar to Dada right. and surrealism, you know. But I think to your point, the Smithsonian is telling us what is good. They're curating this idea of art and saying this is art we find to be historic. And in yeah. the male art, we're getting a glimpse of pieces of everything and we get to decide for ourselves. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's actually a really, really cool way of archiving it. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think I mean I mean I'm in multiple archives, including that Vortis uh, archival, that right. huge archive, and the 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 director of it is coming on this huge tour of all these various 
uh, artists in in North America, uh, including U.S. and Canada. You know. Yeah. And he's uh, he's he runs a huge archive, and then uh, his archives all over Europe, uh, Guy Blues, and well in Belgium, and there's a number of huge mail art archives at Art Pool of of Budapest, Hungary. They huge uh, have a huge catalog of mail art and, and publications. So I mean, you know, the art, the whole archive premise that people can access all this art mm-hmm. uh, is uh, hopefully will make it will endure. You know. Yeah. So has anybody made an effort to make like a collected book or something of some of those pieces? you know, that would be accessible because not everybody can make it to San Francisco, right? To see right, yeah. the, an exhibit. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, catalogs, I mean, there's been some major publications of, of that are catalogs. collections of the mail art. Yeah. Oh, okay. And in particular artist stamps. Okay. So, uh, I would also think that with things like this also, um, if people, if they don't know about it, you know, if they inherit, stuff after other relatives have gone on that they don't throw it away you know because a lot of that stuff you know you can go to estate sales and different things i've been to and it's just like people treat it as junk rather than go through it and see a piece of this history here or a unique thing that not everyone's going to have or you know it would be one of those things that would educate people to look for those things and to you know to turn them in yeah as to be a part of something yeah well i mean there's there's like Anna Banana in uh, Vancouver. She's got a huge archive and she's trying to find some kind of of uh, institution that would take her collection, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, so she's, she's good at cataloging and keeping up with particular artists and files and, yeah. and uh, cabinets of, of all their work that she received so i mean you know hopefully she'll find a suitable uh uh institution Mm -hmm. to take it you know so uh she's older than me so Mm -hmm. she's got a expires by date (laughs) (laughs) approaching hopefully later but Anyway, there's a whole bunch of people. My my main correspondents are all people in my age range. You know, if for the this you know the younger group of artists coming up, what's your advice to to somebody who wants to get into art or do art? Like, what would you tell that person? Just that's one venue that's open and free for your interpretation of what it means and. It's democratic. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. I mean, you know, even if, uh, but I mean, you find like-minded people that won't or are addicted to getting plugged into the mail that cycles through. And so, you know, that'd be one venue if you want to approach it from, if you don't have any other outlet. How do you get in the mail the mail art, like, how do you, if you're an artist coming that wanted to be a part of that, how do you do that? Uh, well, I guess you, 
find a male artist and send them something and, <laughs> and uh, see if they respond or, or not, you mm-hmm. know. So based on all these interviews you've been doing, you're going to get a lot of mail from mail yeah. art. Well, <laughs> Artists, uh, right? <laughs> it could also be a numbers game. You've just got to put it out there and hope someone sees it and responds. Or right, you know. yeah. Well, uh, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you know, like I send, like uh, I got fans in Russia, and they, uh, uh, that's the Presbyterian Church. There. <laughs> uh, Presbyterian they, Church ice cream truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they. Uh, you know, you send a piece of mail and they they scan it and then they post it on their on their in their archive of ah. stuff they receive. And then, of course, some people uh, have a project, you know, of uh, what it, for whatever reason. Like me, mine, I got a uh, I got this old. Uh, Vehicles up in the cow pasture there. That's uh, I invite people to send me keys. I'm filling mm-hmm. the Ford fully folly, filling the interior of a 50 model Ford with keys. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you'd be amazed at how many keys I receive. <laughs> now there's a few laying right there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, there's thousands of keys in that Ford, and there's. And of course, I mean, it's an exercise of futility. Never, there's always going to be room for one more key. You know? Yeah. Even <laughs> as many as I put in there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how these people get, get my project, but I mean, I get keys, a big bunch of keys there every now and then from, from people I never heard of. So, yeah. Here comes another train. Yep. We're going to wait for this train, and then we probably have one final thing. Do you th- I do have one more question, I think, before you ask your thing. Okay. But do you think that we should... Do you think that the culture of the moniker would be uh, more vibrant if it was more openly embraced, or do you think that there's something to be said for it, kind of being this thing that has to happen sort of behind the scenes adds a level of mystery that kind of keeps it going longer than it might if it was uh more openly embraced does that make sense uh well uh yeah the, to me the uh the prevalent graffiti of today is the spray paint big uh bubble letter extrapolations that yeah. you see you know we just saw a bunch go by yeah <laughs> indeed so i mean that's what some people find offensive as being an overkill, yeah, and the monikers. So a lot of people think really buying into doing monikers because you can have saturation more readily, right? With your tag, quick tag, right? Than the time it takes to do a big piece, right? So I I don't know. It's, it's like. It's like, uh, which is which is going. It's like a, all the monikers are being wiped out with the big pieces that have been covered up. So, oh, that's true. And uh, so I mean, you know, so the who <laughs> trade off both whatever ways. Whatever the whoever survives, or I mean, now the, the companies are starting to uh, to overpaint. You know, mm-hmm. repainting the cars. So. Uh, that's how they put the quietus on 
New York City, they buffed everything, you know, they do it just right away. And the idea is you put in all that time, all that time, do mm-hmm. it, and then the city wipes them out and very nice, don't get to run at all, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that brought on the why bother factor, you know. Right. Mm. So, monikers can make a comeback as a prevalent thing just because it'd be so fast and easy and you wouldn't lose as much time. Mm. Uh, all right. So, Aaron. Is well, gonna, oh, sorry. I'm going to ask, but I've got another thing that makes me think of uh, like the whole traveling around and the names and everything that are on it. Like, you know, the Buzz Blur or the Colossus of Rhodes or the, you know, the Gypsy Sphinx or the, you know, a few of the others like the, the guys, the other people you had named. Um, my dad and family, his family growing up would drive from up northwest Arkansas to Washington State. And so they had CB radios and stuff. He logged. He was a logger. And they had, they had certain names based on, like he worked with a lot of Dutch guys and a lot of other people from all over, once he got into the woods anyway. And so his was Arkansas Traveler. So it kind of reminds me of like the different names would let you know who they were, where they were from, or what they were about, you know, based yeah. on that name. And it was kind of a, like a thing to draw, learning some of this about this throughout, you know, the last few years of watching. Um, it's an interesting thing, and it's a part of history that I don't think we have a whole lot of anymore. It's like nicknames. You know, you grew up with... They yeah. called him Chief growing up till he got up to working in the woods, and it was, you know, Arkansas Traveler. But uh, it's a thing that's really not as common anymore either, you know, kind of like that. It would be a neat thing to see, you know... Well, back. but you just but, saw a train go by with a bunch of nicknames. Right, right. but I mean, and- yeah, but I mean, it's not as... How many friends do you have that have nicknames now? Used to be growing up, it's you like shorty. You know, my brother's my brother, or I mean, my dad. His oldest brother's name was Hambone. His brother, just older to him, they called him Legs. But it was a uh, was an interesting. Lugnut is still a person that has a nickname for me. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, an, everybody on the railroad pretty well had a had a, a nickname. You know, mm-hmm. that was really prevalent there. Everybody yeah. had, had a, a goose. You know. Goosefoot, you said mm-hmm. Goosefoot, I, you, they know who you're referring mm-hmm. to, or, or Big Head, or... or Heather's uh, dad. Stovepipe. Stovepipe, or Skipper. You do bring you up know? a good point of the culture of nicknames, seems. Yeah. Because as a kid, you know, my dad called me his one-ton son, <laughs> or Dan, right? Like, I was a chubby kid. Like, but, yeah, that culture of I guess that's a good... Mm-hmm. My kids, I gave my kids nicknames when they were little, I don't Right, I mean, well, I still call my, my daughter Sissy. Right. Or, or Maya Bug, you know, Micah's like Bub. Harmar superstar. But it's, right, but I mean, I, it's not as, like, used to be before, you may not know someone's nick, you know, their it actual name. It might not name. be a lifelong thing. Right, yeah, but it is now. There's a guy that I ran into at the store. He, he knew my dad's oldest brother by his nickname. He said, yeah. I didn't know his first real name for a long time. Let's give right. each other nicknames. Well, eventually, yeah. Buzz maybe. can give us nicknames. <laughs> yeah. That would be the best. What would my nickname be, Buzz? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or Sir Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Russell. That's a pretty good one, yeah. Uh, yeah, well. Uh, He's like, I don't know you well enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm flummoxed here, right, Keith? Uh, yeah. I haven't That's, known you long enough. <laughs> <laughs> right now, you just want to call me Hop Along. <laughs> just yeah. Keep on Get along. moving. Get along, little move, Daniel. Move along, Quinn. Yeah. Uh, mm. No, yeah. Iron I, Air. I, well, because my T-shirt. I'll take Iron and Air. That's kind of a cool name. Yeah. Um, all right, so do you want to... Yeah. I yeah, do I'm think, good. man, we need nicknames. Yeah. 
I'm sure people call anyway. me names, but I don't. Yeah, I say call it. you names, but it's like, I don't want to say it right here. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Aaron is going to start a sentence, and you just finish that sentence, and there's no right or wrong finish to it, just whatever comes to mind. Yeah. I wish I could. Uh, spend time away from all this uh, hype and hoopla and get back to writing my autobiography. I think he just kicked us out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for yeah. letting us come thank hang out with you much. for a little while. This has truly, truly been an honor. I know yeah. my brother's going to be super jealous. Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Kelly.